All right, this is take three of trying to record an intro, and it's very hard for me. Still, to this date, even though I recorded 12 episodes of this, I'm still slurping and chirping and still can't get it down. Honestly, though, you have played the game for a long time. Don't you have anything else to do with your time? Gaming Blues Podcast. Welcome to the episode 13 of the Gaming Blues podcast. But this time it's kind of different because Darren's not here. And I'm trying to do something new because I've been meaning to do solo, you know, um, opinion, editorial slash like podcast on my own on esports topics because Darren's not much of an esports fan. Um, but I still am. So, you know, it's kind of unfair to drag him into topics that he's not really passionate or interested in. So I decided to make these solo projects. And the reason for the hiatus, be, hiatus being um, I've been extremely busy with the full-time job. I mean, Darren was willing to record any time, any day of the week. So shout-outs to him. But I've been preoccupied with a lot of shit the past two months. And I finally found time to actually sit down and record things, which is good. But every, everything is settled down now, so... Over the course of period, I wrote down a lot of topics that I want to talk about on the show. So this is the first one of an untitled esports podcast project. Still under the Gaming Blues podcast because I have somewhat of a following now, I think. Thank you to all of you listeners. I was pl- pleasantly surprised to see people are still listening to my podcast even after I haven't posted content for over two months. So thank you very much, and I will work my hardest um, to bring you the content that you think you want, but you don't know you that you want. Yeah. So let us begin. This podcast is unofficially brought to you by Starbucks and their new line of holiday drinks, the chestnut praline latte being my favorite right now. I mean, if you think of Christmas, eggnog latte is the go-to, or their, I think, since a couple of years ago, the creme boule one is also good. But this chestnut stuff, man, oh my god. It's fucking good. Ah. This show is on Spotify, um, Apple Podcast, Google Play, Podbean, and also I think we're on Stitcher now. And I think we're also on iHeartRadio, but I'll have to double check on that. I will post all the links so you can listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. What I want to talk about today is the announcement Riot Games made during their 10-year anniversary video where they dropped so many bombshells at once that even all the media outlets were scrambling to report every single game they announced. So going by order, or not in a particular order, is one, they announced Teamfight Tactics, um, the auto chess, uh, Riot's auto chess for mobile devices. And they have they are in development of taking the Summoner's Rift mode on, on desktop into a mobile version. They're making a League of Legends fighting game being developed by Radiant Entertainment who made Rising Thunder. They're making a League of Legends manager game only for the Chinese uh, LPL region right now. Um, They're making a card game, which is 
like Hearthstone or Magic called uh, Legends of Runeterra, which went on open access a couple of months ago. They announced a class shooting, first person shooting game called Project A, which seems to be their take on kind of like, I just want to say Overwatch. That seems to be the best way to describe it. They announced Project F, which seems to, and from the looks of it, like an isometric adventure game, possibly a Diablo-esque game. Who knows? And finally, they announced Arcane, an animated TV series, I think, for Netflix. Not really sure. So that's a lot of things to announce at once. You know, like 10th anniversary, like, oh, they'll probably make a commemorative video of all the things that would happen over the years, the different meta, different changes, uh, different esports events, you know, all that stuff. But they just came out with this bombshell. Out of, well, not really out of nowhere, but seems very, like they've been working on this for a long time. The running gag is like they're called Riot, Riot Games, which suggests that they made more than one game, but they've been basically um, living off of the success of their one and only game, League of Legends. So to see Riot actually investing money into different projects is refreshing, and at the same time, this is probably something, as I said, like not like something they have worked on for a long time. And here's why. My personal viewpoint is that, or this is well, this is facts. The Riot hasn't made anything original in their portfolio. Now, their current portfolio only is League of Legends, so it's kind of like a hard sell to my point. But if you look at all these new things they announced, at least for playable games, they are either, well, they, from first glance, they look like they're like a revision of an existing formula and making it into their own like style and color. Take Teamfight Tactics, for example. When the whole auto chess genre first came out, auto chess and the Dota version and other like various clones of the auto chess have came out. And then League of Legends or Riot Games came out with Teamfight Tactics. So what it seems to me is, instead of being the first to market, they are waiting to see what works in the auto chess genre while developing in parallel within the development studio to put out a game that has the best parts of the auto chess games and at the same time correct some of the like the downfalls or maybe like things that could be improved. So it kind of entices the players to like, hey, look, this is an auto chess game, but we have this and this and that that the original auto chess games don't have. And the fact that they have the League of Legends branding behind it means I can attract their existing customers to it. Now, I may be completely wrong. Like, they, maybe they've been working on this, like, since, you know, the original drop. And they didn't even, like, look at the other competitors. But knowing game design, there's absolutely no way that they didn't look at their competition and try to, like, you know, take the good and the bad and, and put out a polished product. I guess I don't want to say success because it's kind of hard to judge whether or not an auto chess game is successful. But just going off by like a Twitch metric and seeing how many people play it, I think TFT is still up there um, beyond like 
the Dota auto chess, I think the Underworld game, and the actual auto chess game. Now, I can't really speak for mobile because there's no way for me to find out exactly how many people play on mobile because Teamfight Tactics isn't available on mobile yet. But I think it's fair to say that Teamfight Tactics has survived longer than any other auto chess game right now. I may be wrong, but it sure seems that way. Teamfight Tactics will now come on mobile, which means they will also grab the mobile market with this game, which means a lot... I think this will become, if the genre survives, the longest and more popular teamfight um, auto chess genre game for a long time. This may be like the only game. And when I said that League, like Riot Games hasn't done anything original, like look at the other games they're making. They're making Legends of Runeterra, which is a card game. And before that, we had Hearthstone, we had Magic the Gathering, Mobile Edition, uh, TC Edition. And we had Artifact, which we don't talk about. But the fact that they came, they come out last and they had all this time to actually look at what Hearthstone did and what Artifact did and what Magic the Gathering did in terms of, you know, the user experience and like the game system. They can actually come out and like polish the existing formulas to put out what could be a potentially be the be all end all of like card games. Now, I don't even know what this genre is called, to be honest, but I think like the first day of release, the game was first on Twitch. It's mostly from like popular streamers playing it, like, but still like the ability that these games can pull that so many viewers on Twitch speaks for like the popularity and like of the game. Now, again, this is all like not out yet, open access. That's fair enough. We don't even know if it's going to be success successful. But I think this goes to show that Riot Games, they, while they have their faults, are actually good at releasing games or actually, or let's say polishing existing games and putting their own style on it. It's only an open access. Like it's, not, it's not even out yet. It's probably like fully releasing next year or I'm not sure what the status is, but... And given their track record that I think it will do fine in its own regard. Although most people will just go back to Summoner's Rift anyway. Now that it's not necessarily a bad thing that Riot hasn't made anything original. And plenty of game companies like found more success in taking existing formulas and putting their own twist on it to make market success instead of trying to make something original. Because trying to make something original in this day and age is super hard because the biggest new thing we had was a battle royale and like all the spin-offs that you know spawn off from that and now they're also going to release summoner rift on their mobile and i think this will also be like even without like seeing the final product if anyone has played the tencent version of the mobile called Bang Gamers or something. It's like a mobile clone. I downloaded it when I was in Thailand with my friends and we had like barely internet access and we found this in a recommended section. It was basically League of Legends. Same maps, same idea, turrets, minions, items. Um, even the heroes were somewhat similar and the game was great. Like great matchmaking, instant queue. Like we played in Thailand on, on Thailand Wi-Fi and it was still playable with like the locals. And it played exactly the same, even with like three buttons. 
I mean, the mostly League of Legends relies on the QWER and the uh, FD combo anyway. So it was really simple to play on mobile and it was extremely fun with friends. And since it's Tencent making it, a Tencent that made the game, they can just bring whatever they did in that game and just use it for the League of Legends mobile. Another, like, it's another example, like, Riot looks at other, other games, even if they're, like, part of their own, like, the parent company, and just put their own styling on it, and it'll be super successful. Only time, like, only time will tell, like, if it will actually be good. But, again, track record, two out of three games were good. Like, third one's open beta, and it's still, it was super popular. I have no doubt that it will contend for like the best game in that specific genre when it comes out. No doubt about that. Now the tenth anniversary did show new changes to the actual Summoners Rift. I th um, the dragons are going to affect the game a lot, a lot more. There's a new dugout in the top lane area, but that's like again not really my forte because I'm not that good at the game to give a fair analysis and like you know in-depth information about like how this is going to affect the laning phase how this is going to affect the like team fight phase like which champion is going to benefit from this all that fun stuff so i'm just going to say like you know i'll look forward to playing it but not not the topic topic of this podcast so let's get the like the small things out of the way that i mean until i see it i can't really say anything about it now, the League of Legends Manager 2020 is basically Football Manager 2020, which is one of the best, or not, well, specific 2020 edition, but the the Football Manager series, which is one of the biggest, if not the most popular manager simulation franchise in the world right now. And that has a big crowd that actually plays that game. It's mostly like number crunching. Like some of the players don't even play the actual matches. They just like run the simulation and it's basically number crunching to see which players they can get, um, sign which players, injuries, deal. Like basically you become the coach and you just look at the, all the numbers and try to become the best manager. Now, I'm not sure how big they can take this for League of Legends. I'm pretty sure they're just like beta testing it in China to see if it's if it's popular enough because i doubt that outside of china maybe europe because you know um, football is more popular in those areas i even like south america like holy shit like i'm not really sure about na on how popular the football manager franchise is in na specifically i think everyone everywhere else in the world asia south america africa even where like so football is like more a bigger sport than other sports because like Baseball, football, like American football and hockey is more dominant in North America than soccer, I think. Only because Canada, USA sucks. <laughs> I'll probably do a separate video on this, but the TR, TLDR, in my opinion, about um, League of Legends as like a cinematics maker is that anything 2D they make is super phenomenal. Like it's the best animated thing I've ever seen. Like all their music videos, even like the champion introduction videos, teasers, and all that stuff. Uh, KDA music video, recently got the True Damage uh, music video. Those are great. 
But like every time you I see something 3D from them, like purely 3D, not just like mixture of 2D and 3D visuals, I think they fall down behind like Blizzard in that regard. Now, it's probably because like Blizzard engine, no, 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 it's not even the engine. Like Blizzard is way better than Lee uh, Riot Games in terms of cinematics when it comes to pure 3D, hands down. I'm not saying that's bad. That's a bad thing. But like the original, like um, cinematics that Riot did, the one with like the Leona and like a gigantic Nautilus that's like out of uh, out of scale, that one was a little bit jank. Like when it comes to like fantasy characters, like um, like say Rengar or Nautilus, they're really good at that. But when it comes to like actual facial, like humans, like human, like models. Especially for the female characters, I think they kind of fall behind in that regard. Like Garen looks great, but if you look at Katarina's face, you just tilt your head big on like, eh, like she she looks great and all, but like that looks kind of off. Like kind of like takes you out of the experience. At least that's my take on it. But since Arcane is like a two D animated series, I think it's gonna be great. It's gonna be fantastic. They're actually gonna build on the lore. Which usually just like tid- tidbits on the website, which, I mean, they release books of it, but, you know, outside of like the basic quips they give to players, I don't know if people are actually invested in, this, in the lore of the series. So I think this will be a good way to actually get people interested in the, you know, the universe they created within the League of Legends. As God knows, the original storyline isn't the greatest where... Oh, your mages in rows that control these servants is like basically the Fate series, except even dumber, I guess. Well, you'll see, we'll see what that goes. I mean, if it's on Netflix, I I think it'll do really well because, like, again, if you look at the track record, I know I said this like so much, so many times right now. Of Riot Games is like two D cinematics. They've been all great, all fantastic, or like. Even the, um, from music videos to cinematics, they've been all great. So I have no doubt that the visual-wise will be good. The writing section, that will be remain to be seen. But because, you know, um, multiplayer designers weren't, aren't really known for their stories, let's say. But I have high hopes that they will bring us the visual candy that all the fanboys and girls Great, I just cut off there. Okay. Now, a couple of things I want to address is... um, You know what? I actually want to take time to really dig into the whole fighting game thing. As well as the, the Project A. So I think we'll go Project A and then talk about and end with the fighting game announcement. Now the whole reason for me doing this is like if I did this pot like analysis or my opinions when it first came out, I would have just sang the high praises off of Riot Games doing so much and announcing so much during this like the tenth year anniversary, like oh man, look at all these games developing. It looks so nice and like, oh my, I can't wait for the future, what it brings, blah, blah, blah. But in the grand scheme of things, like, I know I talked about, you know, Riot Game has this ability to take existing formulas and make it quote-unquote better with their own color. 
But is Riot really known for making any other genre than like multiplayer or like MOBA games? Like even then, like when it first released, like people were super skeptical. Like, oh, who's this Riot game? Like, why are they making a MOBA clone? Like, at first, the only draw that it had for me was like it was free. That's it. Like they played the original Dota. I have to buy War to Work. Um. Sorry, Warcraft 3 and the Frozen Throne expansion just to play it. And back then, that's still a $60 investment. And then there's Heroes of New New Earth, which at the time, people thought was a better mechanical game, gameplay-wise, but you, know, you still have to pay for that game. So the biggest draw for League of Legends was that it was free. And I like that it's still free, and even all their other games are free. Because they found a, they found out that people will pay more than the initial entry price for video games on cosmetic stuff and even loot boxes at this rate. Now I am also guilty of this and spending way too much money on skins, but that's besides the point. And I'm also glad that that I waited to do this podcast. Because oh, I gotta stop smacking my lips. Um, the big thing that happened after this announcement was BlitzCon 2019. And after announcing so many games that were in development for Riot Games, people are waiting. Were waiting to see what they announced at BlitzCon. Now, again, want to keep this short. So BlitzCon thing will be another episode, but. If you didn't watch the trailers, there's a section where they bring up the whole oh, don't you guys own phones meme where they take a jab, where Riot Games took a jab at Blizzard, which I think, I thought it was interesting because the fact that Blizzard was a, like, I don't even know how to explain this. The fact that he's, the designer said, don't you guys own phones to the attendees at BlizzCon uh, to explain why they're making Diablo 3 mobile and not a, like a brand new PC game was basically like a fuck you, in my opinion. And the fact that the Riot Games is taking that, you know, point of anger and trying to get people to like <laughs> take their side, like, oh, look at our game. It's also on mobile and but it's also on the PC at the same time. I, I thought it was clever, but it was and like in the end, it was like a basically taking a shot at another company's misery so so i think the biggest thing that's taking a shot at blizzard aside from the meme comment is that project a seems to is basically an overwatch clone or will, will be an overwatch clone again like we don't we don't know it's what it's going to be when it releases all the footage that's been released is just like the early alpha stages, um, all the guns are like placeholder models, like AQ-47s and things like that. Um, there's going to be classes and class abilities, which is similar to Overwatch. Which makes me think that like Overwatch has been in decline at the time before you know, BlizzCon, 2, BlizzCon announced Overwatch 2. And then Riot Games coming in and announcing that, hey... We're making this Overwatch-like game in the near future. For those who are 
kind of tired of Overwatch and try want, want to try something new, and if you like League of Legends, try this game. That's what Project A seems to be to me. It's basically taking market advantage on people who are getting slowly tired of Overwatch and getting them to come try out the League one. Now, it's not coming off for it like, uh, I bet, I would assume a couple of years from now. 2021 at the latest, even, even later, depending on how much development time it takes. But I find it very convenient that they're making a class-based shooter and announcing it at this time. That's, how do I say it? Like it, it's it's a very cynical take for sure, but I think they announced it just be, just so they can take on Overwatch and try to win the crowd over. Because the Overwatch right now as a game is not as it used to be when it first launched. Because I used to be a very avid player of the Overwatch like um, community, but right now it's really falling off the radar for me because there's nothing really new. And you know, this is another topic. Like, I have, a, I, have a, I want to talk about a lot of things about, like, currency, like, competitive esports games right now, but we'll take it one episode at a time. So for the time being, yes, Project A is basically a fuck you to Blizzard in more ways than one as Riot attempts to create their own class-based shooter. Now, Skepticism A, Riot Games has never worked on FPS before. I'm pretty sure they brought on people who, like, obviously, that's what you do. You bring in people who worked on, like, AAA or maybe even, like, successful uh, first-person shooter games to help design the game. It's not like they take they pull people from the the uh, MOBA team and how to make the first-person shooter. Like, that will never work. Because it's, like, fundamentally a different game. Like, you can bring stuff and give, you know, inputs on, like, adding MOBA-esque um, gameplay to first-person shooters, but you gotta get the foundation right. Like, why do you think CS:GO is so much like a popular game even till now? It's based on a game that came out even before nineteen uh, ninety, like when I was in elementary school. It probably came out like nineteen ninety something, and it's still arguably one of the biggest esports game to this day. It's up there next to League of Legends. And and for good reason. Like the shooting feels good. Like it's fair like low point of entry, but really like a high ceiling in terms of like the complex plays you can pull. Like knowing the map, playing the map, um economy, like proper like flashbang and smoke zones and all that fun stuff. Like getting that feel down will be very imperative to the success of this game. But we'll see. All this is a pre-analysis, of course. And I said I don't. I'm pretty sure that the Teamfight Tactics Mobile, Summoners Rift Mobile, and even Legends of Runeterra will garner success in their own right. But I think the other games, which like doesn't even have a name yet, or like the Project A F, A and F, are just still like their the concept stages. So it's still kind of skeptical about. If they'll be actually good or not. Again, it's one of the situations that we'll wait and see. But initial opinion is 
Uh, mixed bag. If Riot does their thing where they create their own version, it will be good. But at the same time, I think class-based team shooters don't last as long. Like, I'm surprised Overwatch lasted this long. But that, that's another topic. Now, before we dive into the fighting game, the Project F, which just seems like a Diablo clone. Isometric, you move around and you hit minions with... You know, heroes of different classes just yells, it just screams Diablo. And it just seems like an, a, pro, a pair with Project A is basically, uh, hey, are you tired of Blizzard games? Are you tired of how they treat the community? We're working on games that you might like, but with our own branding. You like us, right? We're, le- we're right games. You love us. You've been playing our games for 10 years. Come back in two years where we have a game that you love, but you don't have to, you know, play on the Blizzard engine or something like that. Like, did anybody ask for this? Did anybody ask Riot to make an isometric adventure game? Did anybody ask Riot to make a first per of all things, a first-person class-based shooter game? Like, anybody look at, like, playing League of Legends, oh my god, I wish, I wish, like, Riot Games made a a class-based first-person shooter using the heroes of this game. The only thing they would have asked for is make this game on mobile, which is happening. If they only announced this, like, the Summoner's Rift mobile version, that enough would have been, like, got people hype. The fact that they have these like Project A and F, like even the anime series and development is just like icing on the cake. It's like whatever. Now, here's the biggest thing that's been on my mind ever since I heard the announcement that this was teased back at Evo where I can't remember the guy's name, but the, the head of the Radiant Entertainment guy who worked on Rising Thunder announced that they're working in collaboration with Riot Games or part of Riot Games to develop a a League of Legends fighting game. Ooh, ah. So preface, I did play Rising Thunder before, so I know what Radiant... I keep calling it Radiant Dawn. I I know what Radiant entertainment, Entertainment Games are like. Rising Thunder was a game where the whole premise was they made the combat and the gameplay controls easy. It was basically special moves were tied to a button, face button. So people can focus on pulling combos easier without being blocked by complex inputs. The game was fun. It can actually do somewhat complex combos. Um, I think this was one of the first games where (laughs) they gave the character like their own nationality and like the actual like people of that nationality like voiceovers like the mexican ah, I think mexican fighters had a mexican voice actor off for obvious reasons like the chinese you know the chinese robot had a chinese voice actor an actual like accent i don't know if that was that was being stereotypical or not but i thought it was cool rather than being like bland karate guy a fights bland karate guy b um overall for all the hype it caused i think Longevity-wise, it didn't last in comparison to all the other big hitters like Street Fighter and Tekken. Because that's one of the big things that's challenging about making a fighting game these days because you got to make things... Oh, for, for one thing, if you want to survive, you have to make it competitive so the FGC can pick it up and run it in their circuits. And B, it needs to be... Or at least I think, it needs to be complex enough 
so the pros can like push it to the higher limits and actually like differentiate themselves among like amongst like the you know the casual players. Now there are two ways I see this thing going about. A, they can make this super complicated or not not complicated, but in a complex in a good way in the levels of like I, I don't want to say Street Fighter is complex. Or well, it is if you think about it. But like they stick to the traditional fighting game style where, you know, core circle inputs, half circles, full circles, yeah, full circles. Sorry. And do like double core circle inputs to do like pull off supers, that kind of stuff. Or B, they can stick to the Rising Thunder approach where they make the comp like the inputs easier where they tied tie a special move to a face button. Like League of Legends, a, ch a champion has four abilities, unique abilities, the QWER, the R being their ultimate. Now, what I can see is they just tie a specific button. Let's say the if, if it's a four button gameplay, if just pressing the button by themselves do normal moves. Like no, not special moves, just normal command inputs. And then if you press a directional button and the face button, it will do a special. So basically a very simple approach to pulling off special moves. What this will do is make the bar of entry super low where anybody can learn it and in turn bring more new players in because that's what they want to do. They want to... Well, at least from my perspective, I don't think they want to do this so they can please the existing FGC players, like, you know, hardcore people who love it. Like going to practice mode and trying to find like the optimal combo, strings, punish setups, like corner combos, wall carry combos, and that kind of stuff. They have to be aiming at the casual market so they can pick this up or anybody can pick this up. And introduce like other mechanics to make it just complex enough to be competitive. That's where I see this going as. Because in the end, they want to make money with this, obviously. And if you compare the like the current esports structure of like League of Legends compared to FGC, the League of Legends there's way more players and way more money to be earned in that sector. If Riot wants to, you know, keep the same model, there's absolutely no way they're not aiming this at like a casual audience. And fighting games are hard. I play a lot of fighting games, not at the highest level, but you know, moderate levels: Street Fighter, Tekken, Soul Calibur, um, King of Fighters, and. Like, even if I play with my friends who don't play fighting games, like, getting them to play, even for, like, the first time is super hard because it's kind of hard to teach them, okay, here's how you do a fireball. You do a down, then you create a quarter circle, then play forward and punch to throw a fireball. That's kind of, like, a hard concept to take in the first time. I think that's why Tekken, being a 3D game, is 
a good remedy for that because you can still mash and still do things in Tekken, whereas you can't really do in Street Fighter because it's more focused on chaining together normal moves into quote unquote complex, uh, not complex, but like the directional input, directional input motion special moves. Tekken still has those, but Tekken is still more rile on timings and landing the specific face buttons and, and chain to do pull off combos. But what Tekken has going for it is it has a lot of moves, like so many moves that you can form many chains for different uh, chain of combos for specific situations. And that's where the complexity comes in. I am not really confident that this, like, I, I hope I'm wrong, but from the initial look of things and where Radiant Entertainment came, like their petty, um, their previous game, I am not confident that this game will be, you know, as complex as it could be. Now, a good example that came out recently is the Power Rangers fighting game, the three versus three tag fighting game. Um, that game is bonkers where you can pull off almost like one hit KO combos because like the rules are kind of broken in a sense where you can pretty much chain into everything, into anything. Now, if they go that route, it'll be a visual spectacle and like the controls are just complex enough for anybody to get in. But at the same time, you know, again, like the fact that they have to cater to a casual audience and at the same time, you know, they have to bring in all their League, League of Legends customers to the game. I don't see them making it any more complex than, let's say, um, you know, there, there aren't really good examples of a really easy fighting game. Like, it'll be a bit more complex than Rising Thunder, as in they'll probably add more movesets to it. Now, from the gameplay I've seen, it's, it's like a one versus one. It's not like a, a three versus three tag system like Marvel or the Power Rangers game. Now, if they made it a tag team game, that would make things more complex in a good way. And with the roster like League of Legends where we're reaching like the 120 characters range, I think attack mechanic makes more sense to do. Like this, like taking the League of Legends formula and putting it into like a fighting game, like it, it's really complex because you have a variety of characters that hold variety of weapons. And this is not even a weapon weapon fighting game, I don't, or at least I don't think so. Like you have people who use magic, you have people who hold giant axes, giant swords, you have people who hold fucking guns. Like how's that gonna work? But I am very skeptical that because of the current movement of fighting games right now, and I'll go on to that in a second, that this game might shake up the FGC, but for all the wrong reasons, in my opinion. There are two cases that support this idea. Let's start off with the Guilty Gear 2020. Now, Guilty Gear has come out saying before they announced like 
when they have their the live stream showing off like the very early stages of the game that they're looking to make it more easier for people to get into guilty gear because guilty gear is one of the most complex fighting games to pick up initially because there are a lot of mechanics that goes into it or roman cancels they're like the you know the direct um the direction of motion inputs there's more canceling air dashes be, being an anime fighter and all that like all the all the fighting games i played it's up there in complexity with king of fighters like king of fighters is one of the i think hardest games to play and guilty gear is up there like each each game has their own quirks but like like guilty gear has as a barrier of entry like what guilty gear has going for it was that it actually had a tutorial mode that actually teaches this these things but it was still way too complex for people to like pick up and it wasn't really i don't think it had new like uh, beginner friendly characters but like if you want to succeed you actually need to put the time into it to get good and i think amongst among the other existing fighters it was up there in terms of like how much time you actually need to invest to actually like see results i mean that goes for all fighting games but i think like personal experience guilty gear was up there in terms of like complex it was super fun but it was like super hard to like grasp the like different mechanics it had going for it now they're showing off that they're taking out some of the things from the previous guilty gear games to make him more you know beginner friendly now this is not necessarily a bad thing because like they want to make money from it obviously so they want to attract more of like, new people and what's if the barrier of entry in terms of controls is easy which i can't really tell because only from live stream if like once they release a demo people will get like a better idea but um yeah like if they're this is one of the first examples where the fighting games are actually beginning to or they want to attract more customers beyond the hardcore faithful to you know increase sales obviously and the fact that it's doing that is obviously you know we're going towards a movement where like you know the existing hardcore people are enough to grow the scene maybe like we need more people to be engaged in the community we need more players basically we need more sales and the only way to do that in their point of view in terms of arxis systems point of view is making the controls somewhat a bit more user-friendly well not user-friendly but like the entry bar is lower than the previous series now i've seen other fgc veterans and people who play like games for a living say like you don't necessarily need to dumb down the gameplay like inputs and whatnot to make it more user accessible i think maximilian said this really um a point i agree with like people don't buy it for the actual gameplay like the mechanics they buy it for like other additional features like does it have a story mode does it have the other modes like do, do they have, like fun modes uh, time attack team battle um tekken has like tekken bowl game tekken forest game street fighter had like what does street fighter have nothing um like people actually buy for like some people buy fighting games for story modes 
like one of the big things that Injustice and like uh, Mortal Kombat had going for was like the story mode because the story mode was actually decent and the cinematics were really good. One of the big things that Street Fighter got, you know, harped on for was not having a story mode, like legit story mode when it first launched. And they only had these like four little mini story segments with static art that did a storytelling, which was not really much. It's funny how like company kind of went like forward and backwards in terms of the storytelling. Like Street Fighter 4 had a legit story mode. Well, no, it's not even a legit story mode. Like even it was more than what Street Fighter 5 had because it had actually an arcade mode with actual opening and ending cinematics. Not much, but it was still there. Street Fighter 5 had static, you know, um, art. The art is great. Don't get me wrong, but like the art, the static images, beginning, middle, and end, and that's it. Now, they did come out with an actual story mode, which was good. But the fact that it didn't come out at the launch had a lot of people mad. But people will be mad regardless of what happens. Tekken, not usually known for the story modes, is the same thing where, you know, you go into characters, um, character select, you choose a character, you have like mini stories for each character, and you, you fight it out. Then ending, you get a specific character ending. In Tekken 7... They actually create a legit story mode with cinematic moments to tie up the whole quote-unquote Mishima Bloodlines story arc that they have been building since like the Tekken 2 era. So this goes to show like what is League League what is League Fighter going to do? Is it going to be solely a fighting game? It's actually going to have like different modes. Is a fact that people actually come for the gameplay or do they stick for the extra parts? And if you look at the most more popular fighting games, in terms of sales, I think Tekken and Street Fighter is up there. And if you look at what the what game like modes they have, they're the story mode. They have these extra modes. And that's why they're selling. Like DLC packs, they have characters you want to play. And does actually have like a competitive scene, that kind of stuff. So it will it will really go to show what Rise going to do in terms of if if they're gonna make it for casuals and it's gonna be free. So how are they going to kind of balance that? Are they going to rely on the game being free to push like um like the player numbers? I think it might be, but then again, Rising Thunder was also free. And that didn't really last long, that did it. So I think it will really go to show for the Riot fighting game if it's free. And I think it will be a good scale to judge like the what pe- player people actually want in a fighting game. Do you just stick around for the like just the gameplay and the competitive side of it, or do they actually care about the other stuff? Story mode, different modes, all that stuff. Now, the next example I want to talk about is the recent announcement of Terry from the Fatal Fury series in Smash. Terry is from an SNK game, which means they use directional motion inputs, half circles, quarter circles, full circles for certain characters, all that stuff. Smash is not traditionally a fighting... Oh, that's a whole nother argument, but... 
Smash did not does not use these Korosoka movements. They only used it for specific characters, guest characters, such as Ryu and Ken from Street Fighter, and now Terry. Before um, before that, it was more press the directional button in one direction and press a face button, and that's it. Just simple one by um, singular directional motion and face button. With the introduction of Terry, Ken, and Ryu, especially Terry, there are a lot of people complaining that these moves are not Smash-like and these moves are too complex to pull off. Now, this might be the only the minority speaking, like the Smash hard, like the fan diehards complaining that they're not used to pulling specific like these complex moves before, and hence they can't do it. But this might be an actual legitimate problem. As I've seen before, me trying to introduce Street Fighter to my friends who are not avid fighting game uh, players, that Riot might decide to not do traditional, or not traditional, but like old school directional motion inputs in favor of something more user friendly to cater to the new people. If that happens, we might be just looking at Smash 2.0, where it's just a based on a popular franchise and anybody can get in simple controls but have some somehow a complex mechanic tied to it to get to create a complex like competitive scene from it i think smash is competitive because they use the stage to create complex situations and like the mechanics where you can like juggle people using different like attacks but you know the Rai fighting game doesn't have complex stage mechanics. It's just a traditional one-on-one -on -one fighter, possibly with the super bar. And I'm really curious to see where the complexity comes from from that game. But right now, I have serious doubts that it will be it'll do well for one thing. Because again, I'm just a cynical person, but. Like it's, it's like me saying like, oh, I hope the game will do well because of this because of Riot, but like that's also talking with no evidence. So I'm just gonna say like, you know, if they just make Rising Thunder 2.0 with Lee characters, I don't think he'll do very well. In terms of competitive scene, the gameplay can be good. Rising Thunder was good, but in terms of esports and longevity, I don't think it will do very well. I mean, people will jump on because, like, you know, riot money. <laughs> but, hmm. Like, personally, I don't I don't see it doing very well. But I've been wrong about a lot of things. Like, and I initially thought the fighters, Dragon Ball Fighter Z was stupid when I first saw it. And I thought, like, oh, it's just going to be, like, a Marvel clone. And it's going to suck. And it's going to, like, die off in a couple of months or so. And I played the fuck out of that game. I mean, the esports scene kind of slowed down per se, like compared to like the very first year was like super hype. But it's still really good game and solid fighters and the, the new DLC characters are really good. Even though they just introduced like Bardock 2.0 with like the, the GT Goku. But it's it was still a solid game. Now, cynicism, cynicism besides, here's what I think that Riot needs to do 
to at least ensure that the game will be a success to amongst the people. Hey, you gotta have fan service, huh? I'm joking. Actually, no, fan service wouldn't hurt, but I don't think they'll go that route. Um, first thing they would need is make online matchmaking really good, which I think that's one thing that Riot will nail down because if you ever, if I mean, League of Legends itself has really good netcode. Like if you're like occasionally you have some weird games, but usually the um, the frame rate and the ping is steady when playing online. So I don't think networking will be a big problem compared to the other fighting game developers. Because Riot has 10 years of experience creating online servers for the games. B. I hope the inputs doesn't just cater to the casual players in terms of like, you know, in, they'll have a robust command list for each hero they choose to include in the fighters. <laughs> to really entice the people to actually lab like come up with actual proper combos instead of just being like a mash like the like the button the most effective button and win like kind of a mash it all kind of thing because what is the most hypest thing in in fighting games is that the hype combos and like long combos complex combos they're what makes fighting games enticing that's why freaking Marble was super exciting because there's so much shit on the screen. They pull up these long ass combos, which makes it look super complex. And but the fact is that even if you look at it and look super complex, after you lab it, you can pull off these exact same combo that the pros do with enough practice. And that was a great, really good reason for people to get into the fighting games. Like, oh, I can do that really flashy stuff. Like, I can do what the pros are doing. Like, fuck, I can do the Dai Umehara parry from, like, the third strike. Which is still, like, a legendary thing these days. But the fact that you can actually pull it off with enough practice made it more enticing people to, like, keep playing the game. <laughs> Another thing is, like, I hope... Mm, uh, like, story mode and whatnot... I find it particular to be an extra in fighting games, like take it or leave it kind of thing. Like, I'll be glad if it's in there, but it's not like the reason I go after buying fighting games for me. For me personally, fighting games is all about playing against other people online and playing against my friends and discovering new shit for characters that I want to play and seeing how like the professional player players take that character to the limit. And it's like one of the joys of fighting games, like seeing like the potential of your characters when it's in the hands of an act really good player. Like, like in actual League of Legends, like if you take a casual player playing Zed and you compare it to Faker Zed, obviously Faker is, is going to do much better and do things that the casual player can't do. But at the same time, the casual player still can, with enough practice maybe and diligence, they can actually become like Faker. And I think that's one of like the biggest things that draw like the rewarding things about video games and fighting games and like any kind of competitive game is that you can actually reap the reward of the effort you put in, and it feels fucking good. Um, for like Tekken instance, like there's a specific combo 
like the character I'm using, let's say, um, what's it? Uh, maybe Tekken's not a good example. Um, let's see. Okay, Street Fighter Four. There's a mechanic called FADC, which is where you spend a meter gain from hitting opponent with your normal attacks, and you can cancel a special move that cancel out of it and and connect it to a new one. So Ryu has this has this combo where you hit them with the dragon punch, which is a uh, like all these things. So if Ryu does a specific super, which makes him do an uppercut, and you do a specific input called the FADC cancel, or FADC, which is called focus attack dash cancel, <laughs> you can cancel out of it, but still have the properties of the uppercut go through, making the enemy airborne. And then you can chain it into using your ultra, which is basically the ultimate of the character, and still have it be part of a combo. This, when I first saw it, was looked super cool and super complex. But after enough practice, I can actually pull it off in real life. And pulling that off for the first time in practice mode, and then actually on an opponent, was the most rewarding shit ever. That is the essence of which Riot needs to grasp in their fighting game in order to make be successful. They need to have enough complexity and enough ceiling of like difficult. Um, what, what do you call it? Like ceiling of like complexity with easy bar of entry for people to actually invest enough so they can pull off cool shit within the game. Now this is pulling out of my ass talking, but that's what it really needs to be to do to you know success succeed in the current. Saturation of a fighting game market, like they're entering into like a lines that is lines then in terms of like competitors, Street Fighter, Tekken, King of Fighters, Soul Calibur, Samurai Showdown, um, Blast Blue, uh, Mortal Kombat, um, Cross Tag. Uh, like there's so many fight. I'm pretty sure um, well Marvel. I'm pretty sure I'm. For pretty sure I'm forgetting other games, but like, you think the mobile mobile genre was saturated, or you think the card game genre, or like auto chess, like other genres are like saturated. Fighting game genre, fighting games are the mo- one of the most saturated market out there. And I don't think just because you have League of Legends characters is enough to keep the longevity longevity ugh, fuck longevity of your game going. As long as possible. I mean, but then again, I have little. I have this inkling of hope that it will be good because they somehow got League of Legends up and running for ten years straight, and it's still going. So, I will end this on my original thesis, I guess, that Riot Games can't. It does not have the ability to make anything original. But at the same time, they're super good at taking other people's ideas or existing formulas and polishing it and making it better in their own colors. Now, I'm looking more. F- the thing I'm looking most forward to is the you know the mobile version of Summoner's Rift because that means I don't have to invest 40 minutes per game because the mobile one is usually faster. I am skeptical. Of the Project A, the Overwatch clone, and the fighting game, 
but I hope I'm wrong because you know if more money I mean if if Riot decides to invest more in the FGC or just not be part of the FGC but make their own fighting game esports sector it'll just make add more growth to the community and as well as put pressure on the other developers to put maybe more investment into their series and their circuit to not lose to league because obviously people will go towards what makes them money or what they can like make the most money from they're not gonna not play in a league in a game where you can win ten thousand dollars opposed to a game where you only win like a thousand or five thousand it'll be interesting interesting to see how league does things in their new future but at the time let's just say i'm super skeptical and super cynical because i'm like that in the announced game so far and that's it for me today thank you for listening to my well it's mostly a rant and gigantic cynicism towards what riot is doing i mean i can be all happy and like be like oh my god like i'm they're making all these new games oh my god but there are plenty of YouTubers out there and other people who are already singing their praises. So it was a different take, and I hope you enjoyed it. All right, thank you for listening. This episode is um, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcast, Podbean, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, which are the majority of your pro- pro- probable podcast providers. All right, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening, listeners, for tolerating my gibberish. And I will see you in the next episode. Goodbye.